I'm not supposed to be stuck. Seized. Disconnected. Lifeless. I was made for more than this. Not to stay, but to be restored by the one who designed me. Refined and renewed as he does his work. And then to be driven by a force, alive and connected to those around me, and working for something greater, propelling each other forward in motion, living rust-free and keeping speed, to be part of something bigger as I live out my purpose. I was made for this. I was made to grow. Well, hey, Cornwall, how are you doing this morning? All right, all right. Well, welcome officially to church, whether it's here in the building in Bellingham, watching on the big screen in Skagit, or on one of many devices, joining as part of our online community. You've picked a great weekend uh, to join us at Cornwall, as this weekend we wrap up our series called Growing. And the intent behind the series is simple. Over the last six weeks, giving you real practical, easy applications to deepen your faith, to grow in your faith in your journey with Jesus. And that culminates today, uh, but not with a sermon, a, instead a conversation uh, between me and someone who has been around Cornwall for more than two decades. He lives and breathes, it's part of his DNA, this idea of engaging with others. I've got amazing respect for him, and I look forward to learning alongside of you with him. So would you please welcome Pastor Randy Priest. Wow, thanks for that introduction. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, you, you, you gave me a 20 to say all those things. I, I, so. Yeah, I could, right. I could have given you more. Yes, right. it, is, it is so great to be here in person. I have had the privilege of being one of the pastors online over the last number of months. Uh, shout out to our friends online this morning. Uh, glad you're with us. And yet to see people in person, there's nothing like it. So it is, uh, it's great to be here. I have to say something. I, um, last night I made the comment to our 5 o'clock service that Randy was one of few pastors that had made um, comments on my height deficiency. And then uh, I, wanted, I thanked you at the 5 o'clock. And then you took a dig at my height. And so now you're off my list. I just oh, want you to know. Well, okay. Uh, so it's, it's Mike and Jeff. Yeah. That's it now. Yeah. yeah. I thought you All I said was I'll keep my comments short. Right. So, you know. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. Okay. Anyway, Randy. Sorry. It's all right. On another foot. Hey, uh, before we get started, for those maybe new to Cornwall or part of our online community that haven't met you yet, can you spend a second, introduce yourself, your position, tell us about your family? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I, I am currently the community care pastor here at Cornwall, and, and prior to that, I was the family life pastor for a number of years. Um, and I had the privilege of working with student ministry, with children's ministry, um, in helping develop what we now have as Explorers League and all that. What a privilege to be a part of. And with the staff growing to a certain point at that point in leadership, I shifted over to community care, which um, allows me to involve myself with those that are working in community groups, with quads, um, any gatherings of people that are encouraging each other spiritually and then continue to do counseling as well as pre-marriage and marriage enrichment uh, stuff. So that's remained the same through the years, but the community care is now um, uh, under my umbrella, and what a great team to work with. And then you've got an incredible wife, 
I, I do. The fact that she's been with me for 42 years makes her absolutely <laughs> incredible. It's my wife, Pam. And um, she uh, continues to be an inspiration to be in so many different ways. So many of you know or may remember that she is a uh, kidney transplant recipient. And that was over six years ago. She's doing really well uh, physically. But in addition to that, in terms of the courage that she's demonstrated throughout, um, she is involved in a number of different things, many of which are outside the walls of the church. Um, one of the main places she's been for years is the Sean Humphrey House here in Bellingham. Uh, it's an HIV AIDS home, uh, residents and staff, and we've gotten to know over the years a number of the staff and residents. Uh, what a privilege, many of which are part of the LGBTQ plus community. They've really become friends. And then beyond that, she's involved in an organization called Family Promise, still fairly new to Whatcom County, but they house homeless families who work toward that. So those are a couple things that uh, Pam does, and she inspires me every day. And then you've got a pretty cool family as well. I, I will have to say yes, we, uh, we do. We have a daughter and a son. Our daughter, Anne, um, is the one with the scarf in kind of the middle there. Her husband, Robert, uh, Anne works for Faith Life um, here in town. Robert works for a company that writes resumes for people all over the world. And, uh, and then our son, Ben, um, is in the uh, foreground here. Uh, he's at, at Superfeet. His wife, Shannon, is a third grade teacher at Northern Heights Elementary. Uh, they each have a daughter, so Bonnie, who turned six yesterday, is Ann and Roberts. Uh, happy birthday, Bonnie. And then Olivia is, uh, is four. And a lot of the content that I'm going to be sharing today, I've learned from a variety of resources, but some of the main content has come from my family, as they have involved themselves not only in the communities they're a part of and work in their neighborhoods, uh, they really have loved people well, but in some of the social justice efforts that they are involved in. So they um, are an ongoing inspiration for me, too. And then last thing, Randy, is um, you and I share a passion of Major League Baseball. Yes. Uh, but the question that I, I'm guessing you get asked a lot is, of all the teams, why the Seattle Mariners? Well, because they're local. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of it, but the other part is that uh, maybe I'm drawn to the underdog, um, and maybe I'm long-suffering, and that might be a part of it, too. Um, right now, I'm really drawn to the youth movement, So, and the thing with the youth movement and the Mariners at this point is there's lots of ups and downs. So, um, you know, take your Rolades before every game and kind of see what uh, happens. Eventually, the hope is that they will emerge and uh, become like the Chicago Cubs. I mean, it took them 100 years, right? to win the World Series, so we'll see. Hey, we'll see, right, we'll, we'll see, see, we'll yeah, see. Exactly. Well, as I mentioned, we're gonna wrap up the series growing today, and over the last six weeks, we've looked at this wheel, and it all began with Pastor Bob talking about the critical importance of loving God and loving others. Then Pastor Kip walked us through the privilege of prayer, the commitment to being here at the gathering and online. We looked at the value of being, um, to grow in a community, in a small group, uh, connecting with God through scripture, his word, and then last week bringing um, hope to the hurting. And today we wrap up with the last spoke, which is engage in relationships. This idea of intentionally engaging with others uh, for the outcome of a relationship. And so, uh, Randy, from your perspective, just to get us started, what does engage in relationships mean to you? Yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, incredible, Brian, that you asked me to come and share, because I feel like I'm still a novice um, in this. I feel like I'm still learning. Uh, what does it mean to engage in relationship? I, I love the title, mm. because I, I, I really believe that it's tied to the rim of this discipleship gear. 
Uh, to be able to love our neighbors well, to engage in relationship well, starts with loving God. The fact that he would love somebody like me uh, is, is phenomenal. And, and because he loves me, he invites me to depend on him like never before. And as a result of depending on him, now I've got the ability to love others. The incredible thing about these two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, is we, we'd like it in some ways if God could just say, just love me. And, and although that's first and primary, he doesn't allow us the luxury of just staying there. As a result of loving him, we naturally, through his strength and his power and the love that he pours into us, are able to love others. And so it really is tied to the second greatest commandment. And, and the thing that's r remarkable about this in terms of loving your neighbor as yourself, as a command, is that Jesus defined neighbors. It isn't only the people that we live by. It's the diverse group of people that are in our community that we might encounter every single day. And so it isn't just loving people that live close to us. It also isn't just loving people who think like we do, believe like we do, act like we do. It's loving others, loving our neighbor as ourself. And certainly there's an aspect of that that is, uh, that is our self-love too that we receive from God. So there's a combination of all of that. It's loving God first. It's allowing him to love me so that I can see myself through his eyes. And then in that foundation, I can go out and love others well. And loving others well, being intentional with relationships, um, is something you and Pam take seriously. And we can see this played out all the way down to your furniture. So this is a picture of your dining room table. We all have a dining room table. Yours is very intentional. Tell us about this. Yeah, this has been highlighted a couple of times, so you may have seen this before. We moved into a, a new place a little over eight years ago, and, and we had a dining area, and we thought, well, what um, you know, uh, dining room table would we have? And the space fit around table, but it was more than just filling the space. To us, this became very functional and an important visual. The functional part of it is that you know, it's comfortable to sit around a round table. And, and a big part of a round table versus a long table is you can't interact with people who are on the other end of that table, but you can interact with people at a round table because you're all face to face. It's kind of like the knights of the round table, that, that they're equals at this table and the ability to not only converse with people, share a meal together, but hear and share stories. And so this is very functional, but it's also an important reminder visually for us every day. Uh, next weekend, Pastor Bob will kick off our summer series looking at the book of Acts. And in it, we'll discover Paul was a great engager with others. Um, he would write to two different churches, but on the same topic. The first to the uh, church, uh, Colossae, would say this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These five words, if we highlight them, Randy, how do we take on this idea of engaging with others with this calling without it feeling really heavy and burdensome? Yeah, I mean, look at these, uh, these qualities. And, and you go, how, how many of us have these down? <laughs> I mean, we're all a work in progress as it relates to these. What comes naturally for us is almost the opposite of these. But Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we reflected that every single day, 
What a difference we might make in the relationships that God has allowed us to have in our life and the people in our life. But to do that, I love this word clothe. Because there's a daily clothing ourselves of these things so that as we put our clothes on every day, if it could be a reminder to you and to me that we are to clothe ourselves with these qualities and then move into life with these, what a tremendous way of living counterculturally and in ways that people don't expect. Mm, okay. So it's a daily uh, intentional process of clothing yourselves with these qualities. Absolutely. One of them is humility, and, and Paul would write uh, to the Philippians this. He would say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but the interests of others. And what I see here, Randy, is this idea of above or, uh, others and uh, others' interests. If we highlight those two words. And so why is that critical in engaging in relationship? Well, I, I think it's critical for those of us who are Christ followers because what follows here is all about Jesus mm -hmm. and what it is that he came to do. So it's critical from that standpoint. But we all know that our tendency is the self. And, and, and because the tendency is ego and self, this is where we tend to be focused. So I'm more concerned about my interests than I, are, I am about other interests, others' interests. And, and, and yet what this calls us to do is to value others, to extend the kind of love, but also the kind of dignity that says, you have a story, you, um, you deserve to be listened to and loved, just like I want to be listened to and loved. And, and as a result of that, then I have the ability to hear the interest of others and hear more of of their world and 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 you know I, I think that this can happen very practically throughout the course of the day if we only had this perspective and mindset as we interact with people that it really is about knowing and learning their interest and their story versus me telling mine which is a, a great segue um, one of the books uh, that i read in advance of this is overflow and there's a, a chapter that's all about listening that if we want to engage with others seriously, we have to check ourselves at the door and listen to others. Um, why is that hard for us to do? Well, I think, again, because of that self-preoccupation. Um, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I'm engaging with somebody in conversation, I'm, in my mind, thinking about how am I going to respond to this? How, how is it that I'm going to now offer my story to take focus off of them and put it back on me? Um, how is it that I'm going to try and help them know that I can relate to what they're experiencing by sharing my own experience? And we're so quick to do all of that. Hmm. Active listening is just that. It is active. It's not passive. It's active. It's eye-to-eye -eye contact. It's the ability to hear somebody's story. It's engaging in their story and then following up on things that allow them to describe their story more. Do you know how honored people feel and how loved people feel, feel when we just do that? Mm. So let's actually talk about that. Let's talk about, let's move from the theory to the practical now. Um, you're a, a, a former Young Life guy, or I guess you're always a Young Life guy now. <laughs> and, um, and, and one of their, their key missions uh, is to meet people um, on their turf, on their terms. Um, how does that young life approach apply to engaging in relationships? Yeah, I, you know, I had the ability um, and privilege of cutting my teeth in ministry. I just started in ministry in, in 
organization called Young Life. Um, I was area director for Young Life at Oakland, Berkeley in the Bay Area, then in Fremont. <clears throat> and um, it was a remarkable experience and so foundational, I think, not only to faith, but how it is that we operate in faith. And, and Young Life has a term called incarnational ministry. And it's just what it says. Incarnational ministry is exactly what Jesus did. God taking on flesh, dwelling among us. And what it is that he calls us to do in incarnational ministry is to live amongst, to be in the midst of. We're not to be a part of the world, but in the world. Not of the world, but in the world. And so as a result of that, we, we are called to live incarnationally. There are people that intentionally move into certain neighborhoods to be able to connect with neighbors that are very unlike them. There are people that intentionally put themselves in spots where they get to know people. And, and not only in Young Life, but the privilege that I've had as a, as a counselor over the years is meeting people in the midst of their brokenness. And I've heard so many stories and so many difficulties and so many hardships. But what I long to do as a counselor, first and foremost, is to meet people where they are. And that really is incarnational ministry. It's the ability to um, see somebody, to interact with them, to hear again their story, and to meet them where they are. In, uh, in the tangible kingdom, um, th th there's that exact challenge, that there's three C's to one C, cross your fence, two, see, cross your street, or three, cross a social, political, or ethnic barrier. So crossing over and, and making yourself available to listen, mm -hmm. but you would add a fourth C to that. Yeah, well, I, I think the challenge in doing those things, it's an incredible uh, call, but the challenge in doing those things, it has to do with comfort. Mm. And, and that C is that we don't like to go outside our comfort zone. What I know in being um, not only in the church for a number of years, but now being the community um, pastor is that there's a place for community and gathering together. Not only our large community here, but in smaller uh, settings so that we can encourage each other in faith. But I also know that the holy huddle is alive and well. And we tend to get very ingrown in, in terms of our lives and our, the communities that we're a part of and don't easily go outside our comfort own. So what Jesus calls us to do, because it's exactly what he did, is he gave up his rights, went outside his comfort zone, and entered our world. And he calls you and I to do the same. And if we're Christ followers, we really don't have an option. And because again, if we're to fulfill his mission in the world, we're not only to be the church as we gather together, but especially be the church out in the community. You know, one of the things, if we were to describe Cornwall Church, a lot of people would describe the gathering. And, and it is significant in terms of our gathering week in and week out. But wouldn't you love it if people describe Cornwall Church as being the church out in the community and the way that we operate in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our school settings, in the activities that we're a part of, that we reflect Jesus wherever it is that we go. So speaking of Jesus, uh, there was this article, uh, Joe Daniels wrote this, Jesus observed people and listened to people so intimately that it did not take him long to discern what really mattered to someone. Jesus showed us getting to know someone's heart is critical to knowing them. 
What stands out to you about this quote or idea? Well, I love it. I mean, I had a professor once that said, never outgrow your need for the Gospels. You may be familiar with the stories, but if we keep reading and rereading the Gospels, mm -hmm. we can't help but encounter Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, I need to be encountered by Jesus every single day. Because to be more like him, I need to know him in his heart. And the remarkable thing about Jesus is you know he had a reputation. You know what his reputation was? Friend of sinners. L let that sink in for a minute. Friend of sinners. Is that what you and I are known for or by? And, and yet that's what he was known by. You know who he had the toughest time with? Gulp. The religious. But he was a friend of sinners. And so he reflected this and, and got to know people's heart and their lives in, 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 in remarkably in a very short amount of time. But they were drawn to him. And, and certainly they were healed. Many were healed by him. Uh, physical ailments and that kind of thing. But you wonder in addition to that whether it was the encounter of the whole person that made such a significant difference in their life. I love the story, and I think it's in Mark 5, where Jesus encounters this hemorrhaging woman. And he's on his way to Jairus' house to heal Jairus' daughter, top official at that time. So he's walking through this crowd, and this woman reaches out in her need and touches his clothes. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He stops, he turns around and looks for the person that touched him. And, and, and then when he discovers who it is, she comes to him, and I love the J.B. Phillips translation in this. She shares with him her whole story. How else would we know her physical condition? How else would we know that she spent all that she had, um, many doctors, and wasn't healed? She shared with him her whole story. Yes, she was healed physically, but was it not even more significant that Jesus heard her whole, her whole story. Did he know her whole story? Absolutely. He's God in the flesh, right? But she shared her story with him, and that had to be as significant as the physical healing. Uh, now, Randy, I, I, maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're starting to get excited about this idea, uh, reflecting Jesus, uh, being with Jesus, like Jesus. Um, maybe taking that courageous step outside the comfort zone. Uh, for some uh, here and online, maybe thinking we are still in the reality of uh, COVID-19, trying to get out of, of that. But uh, COVID-19 really turned our world upside down. And it's very possible that when we were homebound, one of two scenarios happened. Either because we were home, we got more intentional with our, our neighbors, or it accentuated we don't know our neighbors. And so the question might be, what do we do now as we reemerge? Well, there's no question that COVID has really been tough. I mean, the table that you saw, we, we, we haven't used for friends. We just last week or a week or so uh, invited uh, a couple over um, that we, we had not been able to get together with mm -hmm. during this time. It, is, it has been hard. Obviously, some people have been uh, really affected by this physically, um, economically, uh, and so forth. Um, so yes, it has really been challenging, uh, but is there still value to connecting together? Absolutely, and we've had to be resourceful in trying to find ways of connecting together because the value of community is significant. And here's what I've discovered in the midst of this pandemic is that we're all going through it. 
It isn't just certain individuals. You know, sometimes when we experience a loss in our family or whatever, we're the ones going through the loss. We're all going through this together, various degrees. So challenge, yes, but is there opportunity? You know, for me as an extrovert, I really appreciate being around people. So being at home for months was really difficult. Working from home from, for months was fine, but it wasn't like being in person. But what it did allow us to do is to connect with our neighbors because they too were home. And so sometimes at six feet, sometimes you know, through um, you know, technology or whatever, we'd connect. And, and there would be times where we'd do very practical things that you might have done as well. Hey, we're going to Costco. Can we pick something up for you? Um, or are there any things that we can do uh, you know, for one another? And so there were a variety of ways that we were able to connect with our neighbors in safe ways, but also hear their experience and, and, and be able to understand what they were going through as well. And in, in many ways, it drew our neighborhood together. Um, I, I'm curious about if we take this seriously and begin to engage with others, um, how, does that, how does that show that we're living out the gospel? Well, I, I think it's more, again, about reflecting Jesus than in some ways telling about Jesus. Hmm. Because living out the gospel, we're, we're called to live it out. We're not just called to share or tell it. Hmm. Um, and, and so I think most people are really interested in knowing um, if, if, if you're a Christ follower, why? Hmm. And then secondly, if, if you are a Christ follower, do you reflect it? Are you a Jesus follower? Do you reflect it? And so in so many ways, I think it is living out the gospel. It's allowing the gospel not only to transform us as Jesus transforms us, but, but also to be able to um, live the gospel life, if you will, and what Jesus calls us to do. Here's the thing that I'm reminded of. In, in many ways, what we're talking about is the classic term evangelism that we've used for a long time. And, and I've been through a variety of evangelism programs, and th there have been things that have been valuable that have emerged from that in, in terms of some content in that. But what we're talking about is not programmatic. Th this is not a method. Uh, th this is something that allows us to engage and love others well, and through that engagement, reflect Jesus long before we use words about him. Now, forgive me, because my next question involves the word evangelism, but let me show you this quote. It, it goes like this. Effective evangelism occurs in the context of real relationship. So what would you say regarding doing engaging in relationships, not because it's the Christian thing to do or because Randy said to do it, but out of authenticity? Yeah, well, each one of us are unique, right? And, and what that will look like for you may be different than how it, look like, it would look like for me. But isn't that the relational part of it? Mm. Is the opportunity to engage with, with people through our uniqueness and how it is that God has created each of us and even through our own stories. So I, I think in terms of genuineness, it's being authentic, it's relaxing. Mm. Here's, the, here's the great thing that I, that I have to be reminded of. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts people, not me. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that brings people ultimately to Jesus. But man, we got to be better bridges to reflect him so that people have the opportunity to see him and hopefully know him. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly. In fact, in many ways, it's acknowledging our brokenness to people and our own struggles with people too. 
And that becomes genuine as well. Sometimes I think people assume that Christians assume they have it all together. And I don't know about you, but I've been anxious over this past year at various points, fearful, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And so when I acknowledge that to people, not only am I genuine with them, but hopefully as a result of it, it connects with something in their life that allows them to acknowledge the same. We have just a, a little bit more time and just a couple more questions. Uh, for, there's probably two groups of people today. Um, those that are excited, you're, you're fired up, you're ready to do this, you're ready to go meet that neighbor, bring that pie, whatever it is. And then there's the other group that's like the introvert group that's like, I hope someone else does it for me. So what would you say to the Christ-following introvert in the room and online? <laughs> well, first of all, Congratulations, introvert, because in many ways, you've had a wonderful year this past year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, I, I'm extroverted, Pam is introverted, um, and in some ways, she's been relieved that our social calendar has been a bit less uh, this year. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a funny you know, deal, funny joke in our house, too, <laughs> just because it's not unusual that uh, opposites attract as far as personalities are concerned. So there may be introverts and extroverts in your household too. Um, but the thing that I've discovered about Pam as an introvert is she may not have the breadth of social interactions that I have, but she goes deep with a few. And, and, and that's what I think introduce, in, introverts do so well. And that is they go deep with a few. So as an extrovert, I may know a lot of people, but she has the ability to go deep. And so, uh, we, you know, we, we both have brought that into the relationship, but also into our neighborhoods and community. And, uh, and, and as a result of that, um, you know, it reflects our personality. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes we say, well, I'm an introvert, so I, I'm not called to love. Or somehow we give ourselves a pass because I'm not as relational in that, as an extrovert. None of us have a pass as far as loving others is concerned. Introvert or extrovert, we both have a role and a place to participate in the lives of others. And, and to that point, it's, what you're saying is this is not a suggestion. This is a calling. Uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus reminds us that we are the light of the world. We're to shine that light before others. And so maybe walk us through this graph that you've got as to how we can do this, taking this into uh, our neighborhoods, to our neighbors, to others. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons that I love this is that all of us can do these things. There's three things that are listed in this pyramid. And let me just share briefly uh, about how it came about. A couple years ago, I had a sabbatical. And as you know, in having a sabbatical, uh, I was outside the walls of this church for eight weeks. And so it allowed me to interact with my neighbors in deeper ways. And by the way, uh, many times I'm jealous of you guys because you can interact outside these walls with so many different people. Again, in your work environment, school, neighborhoods, wherever it might be, you have the ability to be salt and light that I don't have the ability to be in the same way because much of my time is spent here within the walls. So I'm really grateful for the body of Christ and your ability to connect with people even in ways that I can't or others can't that's uniquely yours. Sometimes we think, well, I'm doing a job or I'm at a job because of a paycheck. I'm going to school to get the degree. Yeah, all of those are important. But do you know that God has placed you there for a deeper meaning and a greater meaning to, to, be, able, to be able to reflect Jesus in the people in your life? So as a result of that, I mean, we, we would give our neighbors invitation to come to church and they would kindly turn us down. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when the, people turn you down, you kind of go, okay, well, I'll go on to the next person without understanding their story. 
So being away for eight weeks in our neighborhood, it allowed me to understand our neighbors better in the story behind it. And I heard some heartbreaking stories uh, about church and, and, and about uh, different things that they'd experienced over the years. And do you know that at times what I said is, I wanna ask you for forgiveness. And they said, well, you didn't hurt us. But I, I said, I did, because I'm a part of a Christian community that hurt you. And, and how significant that is in terms of building bridges, because the person that hurt them may never come to them or interact with them again. So building bridges became key. So understanding stories is a part of this. So I came back and I thought, you know what? I want us to equip each other better in, in engaging well with others. So three parts of this pyramid, the first two are foundational. You can see on the bottom, it starts with being curious. And I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, through what I see in another person, what I hear initially from another person, I feel like I got them figured out. So what happens is my curiosity is put over here because I go, oh, I got you figured out. Well, what a disservice we do to individuals and to people when we do that. So being curious is just that. Be curious about people's lives. Ask them questions more than telling. Explore more and, and draw them out in terms of understanding more of their world. Be curious. And I think curiosity can serve us well in this area of reflecting Jesus and loving others well. The second is loving practically. And it's just what it, what it says. It's finding ways of serving whether it's in big ways or in small ways. And, and here's something that I've found to be really significant. If you're in a conversation with somebody and they're describing to you um, maybe a, a physical ailment that their mom is experiencing, and, and you listen to that story and you hear about their mom and then you go away, if you come back a couple days later and ask about their mom, people are shocked that you and I would even remember to follow up on that conversation. Is that simple but significant? Absolutely, you know why? Because you and I understand what it's like when people treat us in that way or follow up on conversations that we've had uh, rather than kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. So loving practically can be very simple and significant. Writing notes, words of encouragement, you know, being with people in the midst of their challenges are all loving practically. And then this top one is sharing stories. We've heard hopefully their stories all along, but now we've got a foundation to, yeah. to be able to share some of our story. And here's one of the most significant things that you can do. I mentioned earlier this question, why are you a Christian? If you can answer that in three minutes or less, that's about the opportunity that you will have to share your story at any one time. Because we know that after a few minutes, people start, their thinking start to fade, they think about other things, all kinds of things that may have happened while we've been talking up here for you. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> but if you can condense your story in three minutes and why you're a Christian, that's what people wanna know. Um, you know, what is it about Jesus has drawn you. And here's one of the things that I've avoided. I've avoided discussion about anything from fundamentalism to evangelicalism to even Christianity. What I focus on is Jesus, the person. I'm a follower of Jesus and they wanna know why 
And I'll borrow an Andy Stanley term. What he says is if anybody predicts that, that they are going to die and r rise again and pull it off, I'm going with that person. <laughs> if you can share that, you're not talking about churchianity. You're talking about being a Jesus follower and why. So a gift that you can do not only for your neighbors but also for yourself is take out a piece of paper sometime this week and at the longest three minutes write down why you're a Christian. And you'll be able to draw upon that in your conversation with people when this opportunity arises. Cool. Very cool. Um, Randy, before we talk about uh, next steps, just a, a question for you that came to mind as you're talking. Um, without names, without, uh, you know, mentioning your neighbors by name or the others in your, in your life, can you think of something top of mind where you have put this into practice and now it's just a natural, authentic thing you do and you have seen fruit from it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there can be various examples. In fact, in some, I don't even know. Mm. You know, sometimes we're doing this and we don't know what the result is, right? So many times, you know, that, that could be the case. And if I'm living this way, and by the way, this isn't just technique. This is a lifestyle. Mm. This is building relationships with people. And, and so as a result, of, so what I think about is, is, is how mutual it could be. And, you know, I, we have neighbors um, that live across the street that they don't get garbage pickup. And I'm going, that's fascinating. I don't know anybody else in our neighborhood doesn't get garbage pickup. So, uh, I'm, d d again, during the sabbatical, I'm interacting with them. And they, you know, were ones that kindly turned us down, the church invitation. And I said, you don't get garbage pickup. I'm fascinated by that. What do you do? And they talked about, you know, going to the co-op and, you know, getting things that, you know, that, that came, um, uh, you know, in, in bulk and, and how it is that they, uh, at the end of a week, have a very small package or bag, and, and they, they, when they go to the co-op the next week, they just throw it in the garbage can there. And I go, man, I mean, you respect God's creation more than I do. Hmm. I, you know, and they're shocked by that because I, I, I don't think they're believers, hmm. but, but that, and so I'm learning from our neighbors as well. Uh, we have another neighbor whose dog's name is Griffey. So, so guess how connected we are right? in terms of baseball and all this stuff. So we, we've had this ongoing dialogue back and forth in terms of baseball and all those kind of things. But what Pam and I want to do is we want to love our neighbors well, to, to know their world and know their hurts and know what they're experiencing just as we um, are hopefully sharing ours with them. Well, if you've moved the needle for um, someone in the room or online, uh, let's talk next steps. You've got a way people can put this, uh, have more of a conversation coming this fall. Yeah, uh, when I came back from sabbatical, put together this three-week class called Engage in Relationship. And, um, and, and, and some of you may have already taken it. Uh, we've offered it a couple different times. We will offer it again this fall. We're not sure the exact details or the dates yet, so we can't give you those at this point. But what we'd love to do is know your interest. And so there's a place online, you can go to um, our website and, and just register for the class. We'll get your name and contact info. And then when we know the specifics, we'll contact you about this three-week class um, in the fall. Awesome. Well, Randy, thank you for uh, sharing your, your life and your lifestyle. Uh, really inspiring, and, and I, I hope that it helped us 
Uh, I know it certainly helped me uh, in understanding this better. Um, Skadja, I'm going to turn you over to Pastor Scott. I'll be back with you guys next weekend. And here in Bellingham and online, uh, would you guys stand? And Pastor Randy, would you close yeah. us in prayer? Absolutely. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh, Jesus, we need you. You truly are the author and creator and redeemer of life. And Lord, we, we live in a world that, that longs to know hope, peace, joy. And we thank you for the way that you met us and the way that you're meeting us and the individuals that you used in our lives to bring us to relationship with you. And our prayer is that you would now use us in the lives of others. So that in the neighborhoods we live in, the workplaces that we're a part of, the schools that we're a part of, the activities that we're involved in. Lord, our prayer is that you would allow us to reflect you well. We know that we need you to make us adequate for that task. And so because of the love that you keep pouring into us, with that foundation, allow us to love beyond our capacity to love. And may we truly see people in our lives, not only as fellow human beings, but ones made in your image who are also looking for life. So give us the ability to engage well. And we're grateful for your work in our midst. And ultimately, we not only long to make kingdom impact, at a time like this, in a culture like ours, in a community that you've planted us. But we also long to see others come to know the hope that we have in you. Jesus, thanks for this time today. In your name, amen. amen.